Luke is going to take us into fatherhood and there's a monster hunter in the heights. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. And this is Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Welcome back to Offscreen. Another week, another week in which the cinemas are open and aren't we glad? <laughs> I mean, not that we've actually been to the cinema much, though. I don't think I don't think I've been to a screening this week, actually. No, no, tell like I went to my first actual pressure this week. I went to In the Heights. It was my yeah. first like proper multimedia screening, like COVID secure one. And uh, yeah, cool. You know, I mean, it helps that the only friends that I hang out with all live alone and are all vaccinated. <laughs> yeah. Social distance. So I, I feel I feel relatively confident like about that. But uh, and obviously we get to talk about the movie uh, as well. Finally, this week. Sorry, I saw this on was it Tuesday or Wednesday last week? Was it Tuesday? Night? I think. And we obviously get to talk about this. It's actually out on Friday. We got an eclectic release schedule this week, haven't we? We do. We do. We really do. Both, both eclectic on the big new releases, but also on your movies on TV as well. So um, there's there's going to be something for ev- any everyone on this week's show. Um, but let's kick off with something that probably isn't for everyone, or certainly not for you and me, Van. This is, this is mm. hilarious. The first film in our big new releases, which is coming out in the cinemas for your viewing displeasure, is Monster Hunter with Mila Jovovich. Um, and it's I suppose it's the story of... Um, well, some monster roaming some sort of fantastical <laughs> desert plains. And then there are essentially some, na- not Navy SEALs, some some paratroopers or something. Uh, I think the reason, I don't think it's ever specified. They're just uh, army guys. They're um, just army guys. Army guys led by Mila um, Jovovich. Um, who all wear makeup. The girls wear makeup whilst going out in the desert. I, I noticed that. I noticed the false eyelashes. It really annoyed me. I'm sorry. Uh, and they... uh, did you not Did you not have the pleasure of the Megan Fox movie where she was being hunted by the tiger and she was like the Delta Force commander with the most perfect lash and brow game going? Oh, my God. No. But just like, you know, these movies I kind of stay away from. But let me, let me get you to the bit where it all comes together. <laughs> Again, it doesn't make sense. They suddenly, out of nowhere, get transported through time and space (laughs) into what I can only describe as the other world in Beetlejuice, where it's got the sandworm. (laughs) And that is basically it. And there is no other narrative to this movie other than them running away from a weird sand monster. It is awful. Link, what'd you find? It's definitely Bravo team but the tracks end here. What were Bravo team traveling in? Up armored Humvee and a Met B. It's 10 tons of armored vehicle. They don't just disappear. Boss. We've got something. Incoming. On your 12. Where the hell did that come from? Just came out of nowhere. Bravo team reported a storm in their last transmission. Hostiles using it for cover. An ambush, like in Hellman. But let's not find out. I think in the mind of Paul W.S. Anderson, who incidentally, you know, writer-director of this, gave us, you know, Event Horizon, Mortal Kombat, the, the Resident Evil franchise, I think in his mind, this is Tremors meets Predator. It is based on a series of Konami video games, which usually means sort of 16-bit era. I'm not familiar with them myself. Um, it is effectively plotless. And... 
somehow, right, first of all, Mila Jovovich, again, direct, writer-director's wife, you know, for, for a long time, they made, made a few movies together now, she seems to get worse an acting presence as she gets older. The other thing is, this apparently was a quote-unquote passion project for Paul W.S. Anderson, which is a it's a passion project in the sense that Pain and Gain was a passion project for Michael Bay. Hey. Like, that that is that is a very strange one. Like th- this was your passion. For, this was the film you emotionally committed your career to. This was your baby. I won't okay. have said against Pain and Gain, but this <laughs> is in no comparison to that. Um, I am baffled by this movie. It doesn't even have effects to to like balance out the terribleness of the lack of plot and narrative and general uh, lack of understanding as to what's going on. I do not want to spend a lot of time talking about this because mm. it, you clearly know. There's not much to say. There's not much to say. It's not out of... Mila Jovovich should have just stayed in the fifth element, made that her one-hit wonder, and then walked away. Like, that's all she needed to really do. I mean, hats off to, to, to Mila. She does she does open a film, like, internationally. She can she can get yeah, bums on seats internationally. But... She does well. So I can see why she still gets the work. And the Resident Evil franchise, I don't think, is inherently bad. It's got its charms. This is a career low for Paul W.S. Anderson, though. When you think about his Three Musketeers, when you think about Mortal Kombat, when you think about some yeah. of the films he's made... It's bewildering to me. Like, this is not the same guy who brought us Event Horizon and Soldier. It's a very lackless, a very thankless thing. It does feel like a cynical Chinese box office cash grab. Yeah. Um, I would avoid this like the plague, even for the action completists, even if you're a Resident Evil fanatic. There is nothing here that's going to grip, involve, or in any way, I think, entertain you. It is, for my money, quite a waste of material. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, let's move swiftly on to something that I do think a lot of people will enjoy. <laughs> Um, this is Fatherhood, which is available on Netflix. I don't think we're seeing it on theatrical, are we? Just on Netflix. No, I don't think so. It's made by Sony, but it's distributed by Netflix. So I think this one's just been a purchase job. I think they've just bought yeah. it. Yeah, and it's basically... You described this to me, actually, off-air really well. This is Kevin Hart in, essentially, a Jack and Sarah story. Mm. And um, it's about a, fa- about a man whose wife has a baby, and they're really excited, their first child... And she suffers, very sadly, a few days after her um, caesarean, an unexpected blood clot in her lung, which basically kills her. And he then has to deal with the um, overwhelming grief, but also the impending need to have to look after his, her, his newborn baby. Sorry, but this is a group for new mothers. You're lying. Because on that sign out there, it says parents. I'm a parent and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't have nobody else to talk to about this Speaking of the girl's got some stuff flying out of It's like a fire hose. I don't know if it's normal or not, but it's two different kinds. She can either hit you with a streamer. That's when it's all put together and it's, it's, it's a little solid and it's, and it's a direct hit or she'll buckshot you. And that's, that's that spray. It's, it's a quick whop. I need help. I need the crying to stop. How do I make the crying stop? You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, the, there's parts like that. I think the film on the whole is quite good. I think it's a bit uneven. I think the first half is infinitely better than the second. That clip, incidentally, is from the first half. And there's a lot of that humour derived from let's do Jack and Sarah with mm-hmm. Kevin Hart. And it's a really good movie. The problem is, about halfway through, it jumps into it jumps ahead in time to become Jersey Girl with Kevin Hart. Yeah. And yeah. 
ain't nobody got time for that. Like, who cares? The Jack and Sarah movie's way, way better. Mm. And also seems to have more to, to say as regards the rest of it's quite perfunctory. But that, I sense that, that you... It's really ex- exemplary of it. Exactly, it really yeah. sums it up. But but I sense that you like this on the whole. I will say I was very moved by it. But were you were you as taken by this I emotion as I was? I wasn't necessarily taken emotionally. I think when I think of a Kevin Hart movie, I'm not going to say it goes as far as slapstick, but it's very mm. loud, out there, kind <laughs> of Kevin Hart, you know. And damn, yeah. And this <laughs> it's is that damn, very, isn't it? This is very lo- this is much lower, and this is more from the from excuse the pun mm. from the heart. And oh. this is kind of a. I liked it because it felt like it was a more, not serious, it doesn't verge on serious, but it's a more sincere, sincere Kevin Hart. Mm. And I think that was really good and a clever move because who knows where he's going to go next. But this might be a good launch platform for him to do more serious stuff. I mean, it's been about, what, two, three years since The Upside, uh, that remake he did with Brian Cranston of, of uh, Intouchable, the French film, oh, God, uh, in yeah. which in which Brian Cranston was, was in the wheelchair and he was the carer. I think Kevin Hart has demonstrated a few times that he is quite comfortable stepping out of the more traditional quote-unquote comedy zone yeah. and that he has got the chops to pull it off. Yeah. I mean, I, would, I wouldn't be terribly surprised to see something like Kevin Hart turn up in a Jordan Peele movie or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Seems like the kind of left field thing that sooner or later Kevin Hart will come out with. Well, like that kind of. Does, the more he mm. does this kind of movie, the more it's not going to be such a big jump for yeah. him to make that to make that move into something like from Jordan Peele, as you mentioned. So, but there's I, a there's a there's a moment early on in this uh, when he when when we, when we and and he are told as as you know you know from the trailer and obviously our plot synopsis of his wife's passing, and I will say the, the guy can emote. Yeah. He he can really emotionally devastate because he got me in that moment. I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna deny he killed me in that scene. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, it was quite it was a harrowing scene. It's mm. like for something to happen so early on in the movie as well. It's it's something you don't expect. But overall, very well acted. Really nice new take on the Jack and Sarah format, and well executed from Kevin Hart showing a more sincere side to him. Overall, I'd say, you know, in terms of these two films, stay in, put on Netflix, give Fatherhood a watch. Welcome back to Off Screen. And you know what, Ms. Perfect? I think for our next new release of the week, should we should we get a bit vacation flavor? Should we get a bit summery, I think? Because the weather's really nice outside. Looks like it's not going to have, you know, any change anytime soon. The pair of us are both just dying from our respective hay fever uh, afflictions. So, let's let's start um let, let's start Mediterranean, I think. And okay. then we'll then then we'll then we'll get a bit more a bit more of a Latino flair, I think. Okay. So let's let's start with the Italian Riviera. Let's start with Luca, which is the new Disney Pixar movie. This is opening today uh, in cinemas and on I think it's just on Disney Plus. I don't think this one is even going premiere access. I mean, this is just Disney Plus from today, so you don't even have to pay the premiere access charge. And this is effectively the Little Merman. For yep. lack of a better term, <laughs> I sat there the whole way through it doing the voice from Zoolander. Merman, pa, merman, <laughs> all the way through. <laughs> and, it's, and it starts. Uh, Jacob Tremblay is our lead, who is, is right. Luca, and he's he's one of like a, a race of like sea monsters. So basically, like 
mermen, for lack of a better term. And basically, the, the sort of curse that afflicts them is that when they step on land and they dry, when the water dries off their body, they immediately look human. But if you even splash water on them, it, it reveals their true form. And Luca is sort of sheltered by his parents. He's uh, voiced certainly by Maya Rudolph and I think Jim Gaffigan. He does that rebellious thing where he makes a bad boy friend who happens to hang out on the on the mainland a lot. Said friend is played by uh, Jack Dylan Grazer from Shazam, yeah. and he is literally doing the Shazam role. That is all he is doing. Like he's doing right. nothing more than than being the best friend in Shazam. Um, only difference is now, you know, when he's got moisture on him, he looks like a sea monster when he's in the sunshine and he's dry he looks like a human they hide out in an italian village to basically take part in a local race and win the, the prize money so that they can purchase their dream of vespa so that they can explore the mainland together this seafaring town as well of fishermen are also on the hunt perpetually on the hunt forever for the local sea monster their version effectively of the wendigo or bigfoot or the abominable snowman or, or whoever as you'll hear from this clip in which they have befriended a human girl she takes them home to meet her dad who happens to be a fisherman, a gourmet fish, uh, a gourmet seafood chef, and very capable of reenacting the entire uh, entire kitchen scene from The Little Mermaid. Hey, Papa! I brought some friends for dinner. Is there enough for four? Oh, what's wrong with you, stupid? Uh. <laughs> mm. What do you think he kills with those? Anything that swims. <laughs> Research journal today. Ugh, that photo's a fake, Papa. Everyone in Portarosa pretends to believe in sea monsters. <gasps> well, look, two things I want to say about this. Judging by the poster, mm -hmm. firstly, I'm annoyed that they've got actual sea legs and not like proper <laughs> like little mer When you say merman, I don't imagine them to have legs underwater and a tail. That's not how Okay, merman was probably getting it wrong. It was salamander? I don't know. Yeah, but something I, yeah, like I don't that. Know. And secondly, more importantly, you could look at the poster of this mm -hmm. and go, and the way they've drawn the face facial expressions and stuff of the characters, this is for very, very young kids, which doesn't I, I would say transcend adults. If you showed this to an eight-year-old who had already seen The Little Mermaid, they, I think they would find it a bit money, a bit money for old rope. Yeah. I, I did find myself, and I haven't seen The Little Mermaid in a few years, admittedly, but, you know, it is that cultural touchstone that it is. Maybe that is an age thing for us. But I found myself all the way through this thinking, I kind of wish I was watching The Little Mermaid again because that mm. was more charming than this. Well, even that, you're right that that sequence that we've just played sounds very much... Exactly. It's, it's the like scene with Sebastian in the kitchen yeah. when he's about yeah. to get... It's that exact scene. And you were probably picturing that scene yeah. when you were listening to the audio from this one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It never quite overcomes that. Jack Dylan Grazer is, you know, very likable in that exact same role from Shazam, you know, and yeah. Jacob Tremblay as the lead. Very like, but they've got a very likable cast. It is very well done. I, and there, there are a few gags that do land, that do make you chuckle. It has a bit of charm. It, it sort of works. The problem works. The problem is it, it just this feels very old. If you've never seen The Little Mermaid, or you want something to dazzle your much younger children. Mm. then I would say definitely hit this up. But beyond that, it's not an essential watch. Okay. I yeah, put it, it on par with Brave. 
if I'm right. being honest. It's, it's about, on. I liked this about as much as I like Brave. Okay. Well, that's an interesting one because it doesn't look like when you think, I think the thing is, is the benchmark of Disney Pixar, you think mm. you're going to get something mind-blowing with it. And yeah. this is, it feels like they've just lent their name to it as opposed to actually really doing the hard work. I, I see that. And to be honest with you, it does feel like this being on Disney Plus is less of a calculated risk and more cutting of losses, if I'm being really honest. Yeah, yeah, it feels like that. So let's, let, let's move on. Let's stay with your, your Mediterranean heat, but bring that over <laughs> to kind of Hell's Kitchens, or more importantly, over to Washington Heights, which is the location for, uh, well, the fictional location, but it's obviously in New York, that for In the Heights, which is the Lin-Manuel Miranda um, adapted musical, Broadway musical taken onto the big screen. Interestingly, bit of news is that it's actually flopped at the US box office. Has it? Despite being on streaming as well, it's not done Mm. very well. Um, Which has surprised a lot of people because all the critics have been raving about this. So, and it is a big musical number. So, Mm. the story is essentially you're following a a bodega or corner shop owner um, whose father comes from like the Dominican Republic and has lived this Fantastic. Hang on, what what was his name? Isn't it Uznavi? Because it's meant to be US Navy. He's Uznavi. The ships, and he was like, it's US Navy, so his name is Uznavi. Yeah, hilarious. And and, and what it is, is the whole film is basically a depiction on what life is like in the Latino quarter of New York, Um, albeit fictional in this, but it pulls upon all, not necessarily just stereotypes but things that you might expect to find and how the residents of an area like that overcome things like racism, you know, general kind of, um, I suppose, problematic movements within their lives with everything that's outside of their inner little hub. I think this has got real energy. That's Corey Hawkins, by the way, there from uh, Straight Outta Compton, who's sort of the the, the best friend in yeah. this, and he does that. He does it very well. I did not have any clue whatsoever that Corey Hawkins has genuine genuine song and dance charms. Now he's not the breakout star of this because being Lin Manuel Miranda, he's obviously playing the the sort of same tricks we do with Hamilton, which is he's quite good at finding you a breakout star. You look at the way that uh, David Diggs uh, from from Hamilton, David, David, I think I think he's David Diggs. And uh, and Anthony Ramos, who's the star of this, how Mm. they spun out of that. And I could absolutely see uh, Melissa Barrera and Leslie Grace, who are the two female leads of this, uh, break out in the same way. Uh, If I have a... I mean, first of all, the energy is there. John M. Chu, who, you know, of course, has something of a storied history in, you know, working with concert movies. I think the Justin Bieber one was one of his. Uh, Of course, in recent times, we know him more now for, like, Crazy Rich Asians, which is, I think, more of a crossover hit from him into more straight narrative rather than any kind of musical but this is this is basically the sort of culmination of, of his career thus far it's got move it's got energy i will say it does finally confirm once and for all that lin-manuel miranda 
really has no interest in straying far from his very, very particular tempo and rhythm. Like, you know how this movie feels and sounds before yeah. you've heard a frame of it. And it's very good about it, but don't yeah. expect any surprises on that. Yeah, exactly. And this is this was this was written whilst Lin Manuel Miranda was at university, so this was brought onto the Broadway mm. stage way before Hamilton. But you'll see whether the the birthplace of the Hamilton tempo and sound came from. <laughs> and it is this. And you know what? It's a big showy number. You know, you've got dancing in the street. You've got you know big dreams. It feels like I would actually prefer to see this on the stage than I do on the screen. I'd be interested in seeing it that way, but. I still thought it was very good, still thought it was very capable. I don't know why it's flopped. And I'm and, and I think everyone's quite baffled by that. Like uh there was a, a lot of conversation over whether or not it's because it's cut onto half onto streaming as well. And but even then, that should even boost it because it becomes so much more accessible. So it's a bit of an anomaly, I think. I mean to to play devil's advocate on this one, I would ask genuinely despite if you take away the brand for a second what actual product has lin-manuel miranda got his name to like actual tangible exists in the world product what do you mean What, what what actually are his creations because he has basically contributed his personality to other things that have already existed. In terms of, you know, this actually being a proper... Because lin- we've not had a Hamilton movie yet. It's never no. happened, effectively. No. We have the stage show. We have the what's basically a recording of that stage show on Disney+. Plus. We have had... He contributed songs to uh, Moana. We had... He contributed... Movie. We had he contributed songs to Mary Poppins. So we've had Lin-Manuel Miranda contributing as a Disney songwriter. But in terms of actually having the big Lin-Manuel Miranda project, this is about as close as we've gotten to that yet. Yeah, yeah. So he is still kind of an untested commodity. Yeah, he does. Of course he does, yeah. Yeah, little cameos. Like right at the beginning, he's like pushing his stall along and he's like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. It's quite nice to see it. Um, The only thing I think that will put people off is it's two hours, 22 minutes. You know, and that's a long run time without an interval. So it's, um, you know, if you're not caught up in the music, maybe if you don't know the music, because obviously here in the UK, In the Heights has not played out in the theatres yet. It's on Mm. Broadway. So we are not as, you know, as au fait with this. So therefore, will we be as in love with it as you would have expected an American audience to be? I don't know. But it's a well-equipped, really interesting movie. Great, catchy songs and dancing, great acting and probably is still worth your time. Welcome back to Off Screen, and we're going to keep you on your couch for the next segment as we take you through all the filmic offerings on Freeview for the next seven days. We're going to start, of course, with a wondrous woman on Saturday night on ITV at, I want to say, 7.45, which seems like kind of like the perfect kind of tea time slot. Well, I don't really come on to TV until about 8, so are you, you're talking about me being Wonder Woman, right? <laughs> of course. Are you actually on at 8 o'clock on, like, when you, when you do QVC ones? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, actually, no, no, no. This week I'm joking. Yeah, but Fair I, enough. I wanted to. Uh, yeah, I, I suppose I just wanted to get a little joke in there. Forgive me. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. But anyway, so Wonder Woman uh, is now kind of obviously less of a standalone thing now because we had it's been six months since we had Wonder Woman 1984, isn't it now? Yeah. So of course this is 2017's Wonder Woman 
solo movie uh, written by, directed by Paddy Jenkins, written by Christina Hodgson, I believe, and of course starring Gal Gadot. And it is this is the World War One superhero movie. It's, I think it's the only one of these that seems to take place in World War One. Everyone else usually picks World War Two. It's the story of Diana, princess of the Amazons, as she happens upon Steve Trevor, the downed U.S. Air Force pilot, um, and joins him on a mission to man's world to slay the god of war Ares, as she puts it of course there's slightly more to it than that there's a fish out of water element to there's a naivete you, you like this one don't you i did and i i like this more than the second one obviously i think this is the one that really made the impact um brought us gal gado as your your wonder woman she was perfect casting for this it had all the effects everything that kind of gets your heart going the feminism of it as well is was was brilliant and it just you know this is the movie that i think a lot of women were waiting for from dc so it's um yeah it's a really good watch so if you haven't caught it before uh, definitely catch it. ITV uh, or at 7.45 on Saturday. Absolutely. So on to uh, Sunday then, from from Wondrous Man to, from Wondrous Woman to Ass-Kicking Regular Man. Let's talk then, because you, I, I asked you to pick the movies and I was surprised that you came back with this one, back. So, uh, <laughs> Paramount. I thought I should at least put in one that you wanted. And I thought, uh, well, I'll give you this. Fair, well, Paramount, 9pm Sunday night, you have gone with Kickboxer. Now, I've not actually seen Kickboxer in a long, long time. And I mean, since I was like nine, ten years old is the last time I saw Kickboxer. And it's not the only movie that we've got that with this week either. Um, are you a fan of Kickboxer, by chance? I've never seen it. I just thought this was one you no. wanted to talk about. Oh, no, this is this is like this is like template-defining for Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's very much a boilerplate of the era action movie with all all the cliches and all the ah come on moments that you would come to expect of you know the pretty arguably the first Van Damme vehicle. I think he had been in other things but this is sort of the first name above the poster breakout hit on that sticking with the 80s though um, yeah. Monday film 4 at 6.45 we've got the period piece of the Transformers universe you've picked Bumblebee for us I best. love Bumblebee this this was the closest thing that I think to the original reboot of Transformers the original film that it came in terms of balancing the humour and making it feel mm. really nostalgic and yeah, it stars Haley Stein Steinfeld. Steinfeld. Steinfeld, I think. Yeah. Steinfeld, yeah. And basically, it's about Bumblebee at, in 1987. Um, he's on he's he's on the run, and he basically finds refuge at a junkyard in a small California beach town. And then Charlie Watson, played by Haley Steinfeld, is is someone who is just basically finds Bumblebee and adopts him essentially, and it's lovely. <laughs> Get out and move away from the vehicle. Stay cool, B. <laughs> What's going on? Hey! Come on, come on! Stop it! Let go of me! Weapons now! Take it down! Run! No, don't run! Do not run! She ran. John Cena there as the requisite US government soldier type hunting them down. You know, they've always got to have that Peter Coyote from E.T. character and that he does get my favourite line of the entire Transformers franchise though, which is they're called Decepticons. How, how do you not think they're evil? Which is absolutely one of my favourite things. I will say um, as far as what you were saying, and like this to me, this is the closest we've ever gotten to 
properly capturing the magic of 1980s animated Transformers in live yeah. action form. And don't get me for wrong, me, I, I, do think that the, I do think the reboot of Transformers, the first reboot film, did that mm. really well. But this, you know, this makes me feel like this is kind of on par as a little spin-off, which works really nicely. So, yeah, Bumblebee is a great movie. Uh, interesting that it's on a Monday night, but hey, look, take it. Uh, press recording it, because uh, I think it's more of a weekend kind of film, but it's on Film 4 at 6.45. Now, ramp it up a gear for Tuesday, <laughs> because <laughs> one of my favourite action trilogies of all time has its middle middle sibling in there. It's London Has Fallen on 5 at 10 o'clock on Tuesday. I watched this recently. I mean, I was going back through it to educate my husband on these movies and how brilliant they are, brilliantly bad. Um, and this is the 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 part where Mike Banning, who survived when the White House basically fell to the ground um, due to terrorists, is back and he's on a he's on a trip to London because a president has died. And the reason why the president has died is because something else is kicking off. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because it's 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 not it's, it's the British Prime Minister is assassinated yeah. as a ruse as a ruse to get all the world leaders into. And, and the oh, reason I bring this up, away. no, no, hang on. The re, but the reason I bring this up is because this is like this is pre like trailer setup. This is pre concept setup. Is the world leaders they set up are all deliberately sort of pointed gags about the actual real world equivalents so you wind up with for instance the Italian Prime Minister yeah. who's this yeah. sleazy Berlusconi type who's like you know oh, oh, you know uh, Westminster Abbey copping off yeah, he's, yeah, he's copping off with some 20 year old of Westminster Abbey so You've got the Canadian one is very polite and listens to yeah. his wife. The French <laughs> yeah. one just doesn't care. He's on a boat on the Thames reading his newspaper. The the, ja the, Jap the Japanese one is really really organised. You're like wow, they they thought this one through. Although I remember the press show, there was a line, an offhand line of dialogue, not the one that everyone refers to, which is most of London's known landmarks have been destroyed, yeah. uh, which begs the question of what about the unknowns, obviously. But the the line that absolutely killed in the press show for this was after you know the, the sort of inciting incident with all those world leaders the replacement prime minister gets mentioned once the sort of fill in the deputy pm and it's uh, deputy prime minister clarkson has stepped in to fill the void and that room just descended into hysteria <laughs> the idea of deputy prime minister clarkson i think i don't know, we presume we we're just thinking about jeremy but uh, yeah. it's a dumb fun actioner isn't it it's Lovely great it's, it's, it's great. the movie in which it's the movie in which a scotsman goes to bulgaria to pretend to be in england playing an american that's how good london has fallen is oh my god make more don't stop at angel has fallen they make it a trilogy aren't they huh there's another trilogy coming isn't there oh my god you've just made my day amazing oh no they've they've said like it, it, it's doing so well that they're just going to do a whole other trilogy presumably he has to be the president by the end of this now surely like it'd be silly yeah. to not like mike banning is invincible in this it's incredible <laughs> um right moving on to wednesday um this is a movie that we watched a couple of years ago it's on film four at nine o'clock it's called Bad Times, Bad Times at the El Royale. And this is a movie that actually came out of nowhere when we went to watch it, because we weren't, we didn't know what we were expecting. Um, it's set in the early 70s. You've got four strangers who check into the El Royale Hotel. It's completely deserted, but apart from one desk clerk. And then you, what you find out is like the backstories for all of the guests and the weird reasons why they're at the hotel because a lot of them 
aren't who they expect to be. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because this comes from Drew Goddard, who'd previously given us uh, a, a cabin, cabin, in, a cabin in the Woods, obviously. Yeah. So there's a certain expectation that comes. If you've made Cabin in the Woods, you've you got to come back really swinging after that one. So, of well, course, going back with something like... And, and that's it's a very slick, very cool movie. I do need to watch it again. I don't remember it all, all too well, because I don't think I saw it at the press show, and I don't think I reviewed it for a week of release. Oh. We put it on DVD after the fact. Um, and didn't really get to pay that, that much attention to it. I remember quite liking Chris Hemsworth is quite oh, cool. The cast is brilliant. You've got Chris Hemsworth, you've got John Hamm, Dakota Johnson, mm. Cynthia Erivo, um, and Jeff Bridges are, are in this. So it's That was it. Jeff Bridges is the and credit, isn't it? I thought it was Bradley Whitford for some reason. No, no, no. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. It, look, it's a really good cast. It's a really fun, different type of movie. And I definitely recommend it and perfect for um, for a Wednesday night. Let's move on to Thursday, though. Oh, can't wait for this. Um, I watch it every few years. I love it. It brings me right back to my teenage years. Any people that don't feel like they, they fit in really, really resonate with this movie and always have done. Um, it's on Five Star at, t- at 11.05 at night, which is too late for this, but it is the witching hour. Um, of course, it's The Craft. Sarah, looking for someone? No. Um, some of these football make their girlfriends come and watch them practice as if it's interesting. Yeah, like a girlfriend over there. Chris Hooker. I don't even know him. Nancy's sorry about what happened in biology. And she's mean to everybody, so don't take it personally. You're Nancy. Ah, she's Nancy. I'm Bonnie, and that's Rochelle. Hi, I'm Sarah. Yeah, we know who you are. You want to go for coffee? No, I can't. I got to get home. My dad's waiting for me. <laughs> you can make something up. I mean, I'm, I miss Feruza Bork in movies, but I will say, if you ever need a demonstration very practically as to how influential the craft was, consider the fact that the theme song to Charmed is literally playing in the background of that clip, which always yep. makes me giggle every time we use it. Um, hugely influential. It's one of those films that if you've never seen it, you'll watch this movie. It's only 25 years old, and you will see where so much contemporary pop culture of the last uh, two and a half decades has quite clearly drawn inspiration from things like Buffy, Twilight, things like that, all trace back to the craft. Absolutely worth checking out. And of course, now there is a sort of a sequel to it in the form of Craft Legacy, which we reviewed about six, we did, seven And we didn't think it was now. too bad. We didn't think it no, was too no, bad. No, no, it was perfectly, perfectly fine. It had some decophony in it. I'm not going to complain at that. But uh, keep it showing my 90s creds right there. But let's move it on to, oh, another relic of the 90s, but he's still looking the same age he did then. It is, of course, the one and only Mr. Paul Rudd's going to take us out on Friday Night Becks. Why don't you tell us which suit he's slipping into this time? Of course, he's slipping in on BBC One at uh, 10 past eight into his Ant-Man suit. And this is one of the Marvel movies that I really, really loved. I thought it was hilarious from start to finish. And I know that it's, its reception wasn't... I mean, you're the Marvel expert here, you tell me. But I don't think it's as, it sits up there as high as, as a lot of other Marvel standalone movies. But... I love it. I think it's one of the most fun ones, hands down. It's a lot of fun, Ant-Man. It is, and it came out just after Age of Ultron, and it did exactly what it needed to do, which was, do you know what? We are the fun, breezy heist movie with Paul Rudd. That's what we are. And it does a very, very good job of that, I think. Yeah. Thank you for the coffee, man. It's not too often that you rob a place and they get welcome back, because we just robbed you. You know that he was arrested for stealing a smoothie machine, right? Two smoothie machines. Are you sure they can handle this? Oh, we can handle it. We're professionals. You'll forgive us if we're not instilled with confidence. 
But hey, everybody, just kick back and relax a little bit, man. We know our business. We broke into this spooky-ass house, didn't we? I let you. Well, one could say that I let you let me. Look, it's okay. They can handle this. Yeah, we can handle it. You got their credentials? He's in the system. I'm in the system. I'm in the system. The system? Yeah. We're doomed. Oh, Michael Pena as the sidekick is just phenomenal. <laughs> Luis, uh, man, he's the best. And it's got the best uh, train crash sequence I've seen in a long time, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> so uh, that is Ant-Man. That's on your screens to make up your Friday night. Um, well worth your time as ever. Um, this has been your movies on TV. When we come back, we'll be looking at DVD, Blu-rays and, of course, streaming. Welcome back to Off Screen. We hope you've enjoyed sitting on your couch or even sitting in the cinema watching some of our big releases that are coming out this week and obviously what we've covered in the past as well. But now we're on to one of our favourite segments, which is about your DVDs, your Blu-rays and of course your streaming. Because yes, DVD and Blu-ray does still exist, believe it or not. And we're kicking off that section with Batman The Long Halloween Part 1. One. That's quite a title. Well, this is this is part of the, the the sort of current iteration of these DC animated feature films. The past few years, we've had this sort of new Fifty Two inspired uh, generation of these, where they've rebooted the Justice League and characters like that. And uh, Jason O'Mara, who's uh, something of a Marvel alum for having been Agents of Shield, um, appeared in the US version of uh, of Life on Mars, and he's actually a, a friend of a friend's brother, would you believe, as well. And uh, he's he's Batman now. And this is this using him for an adaptation of the sort of seminal classic uh, Long Halloween, which, of course, is one of those that, like I said about the craft, where you can go back and you can see all, all the things that this has inspired. Same thing with Long Halloween, and you see it with films like Batman Begins in particular, because Nolan drew a lot from that as well. And this trend now of taking these big mammoth stories and breaking them up into two movies. We saw that with The Killing Joke a couple of years ago, Killing Joke. Uh, Dark Knight Returns. Sorry, we saw that with and Batman Year One as well. This now I think is the third one of these. They've all been relatively good so far. They are all decidedly usually PG-13. They're very hard PG-13 at times. They're not afraid of gore. As I say, I've not seen this particular one yet. I likely will not watch it until the the sort of sequel, until the second part is around. Do a big binge. Yeah, I'll, I think I prefer to just take it all in, in one go because this is not like you know Kill Bill where they have different styles and tones and yeah. nothing. You know, it's just literally one big movie that they've locked into. But uh, I do, I do enjoy these uh, these animated Batman ones. They're not my classic DCAU era. They're not the Bruce Tim stuff from the nineties, which is you know that for me is the pinnacle yeah. of superhero animation. Like, and, and I know I'm not alone. I think a lot of people will agree that that is the high watermark of superhero yeah. animation post Fleischer anyway but uh, yeah we shall see it's out on DVD and Blu-ray I believe it's already out on digital so you can already pick this up I think if you want to buy it on digital but uh, DVD and Blu-ray from this coming Monday which is why is Monday this week it's not the 18th it's the 21st isn't it this week gosh the, what, the, the year is running away with us um, no, it's right, dissolving this year no, no. Let's move on to streaming. Now, we've already talked about these two, but just to give you guys a, a highlight, um, on Netflix, as of, uh, net, as of today. this Friday... Today, yes, today. I was going, about to say next Friday, because that's not what we normally do, <laughs> is look forward, but we're actually looking to the present. Um, both uh, Fatherhood is on Netflix, um, which we've already reviewed earlier in the show. Uh, 
stream back if you haven't um, if you haven't listened to it and you fast forwarded to this bit, go back. Um, and also Luca for, on Disney Plus um, Premium Access as well. I'm, t- I'm not sure about that actually. I think it might just be on regular access, Luca. I think there was well, some bonus. controversy. If you, if you, yeah, I think there was some controversy prepared. around that. <laughs> Yeah, I always think if you're prepared to pay and then it's free, bonus, why not? Exactly, um, who's going to argue? Exactly, exactly. But more excitingly, more excitingly, we are getting on Amazon Prime from Monday, Reality Bites. I mean, oh, I love what it. A I throwback. love Reality Bites so much. Right. I'm this is again, I can't wait. Th- I, I had to. Uh, I, I was. I was. I was talking to uh, my good lady about this earlier, and uh, I, I was trying to sum it up as that. That's what we need. That's what we need. Hanging out in Brooklyn lofts in flannel shirts with Doc Martens, drinking overpriced coffee whilst Lisa Loeb plays. That's. I mean, I love this movie, but let's be honest. This. This is very much that movie I just described right there. So this is made in 1994. So it's movies like this, like movies like. Uh, sorry, series like Felicity. And stuff like that, which you kind of go as a kid. I remember going, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move to the states, and I'm gonna. Yeah, adulthood is so cool, man. I can't (laughs) wait to be 22. Yeah, exactly. And then reality actually bites, and you kind of go, Yeah, yeah, it's not quite like that. (laughs) Because this one, the thing I found about uh, watching the trailer back for this earlier is because I've not seen the uh, the film in its entirety for a good few years now. And the thing I, I found with it is it it's held up like that. You watch that trailer now, and it still seems, although there's there's obviously going to be dated there's a dated quality in the way it looks, but in actuality the dynamics and the the worries that they have do seem to be relatively timeless. It is that post college, you know, retain yeah. your sense of self versus selling out idea and of course it is about that love triangle between you know every girl manic pixie dream girl Winona Ryder type who I was 11 when this came out and I was so so in love with Winona Ryder oh my god I totally wanted to be her like it's that it's it's, you know there's so much that Winona Ryder has done that you kind of go she's my she's I'm fangirling over Winona Ryder but this is this is the literal this is the love triangle between the guy who represents who she is which is you know Ethan Hawke who's sort of the slacker type you know Peak hotness, Ethan Hawke. Let's let's point that out. This is Ethan Hawke at the pinnacle of hunky Hawkeness. Here, um, he's he's the he's the sort of sense of self. And then you've got the the future aspiration, which is Ben Stiller, who by the way wrote and directed this. Don't forget, wow. there was a time pre comedy when Ben Stiller was a very edgy writer director. Wrote and directed The Cable Guy two years after this as well. First movie Jim Carrey ever got 20 million for back when that actually was a real achievement. And he, of course, turns up on screen as well as a sort of Rob Lowe esque, you know, sleazy corporate type. And it is, it's just a really great movie. I want to whack this on again tonight. I really love Reality Bites. And of course, it is the genesis point from which we have one of the all time classic tracks Stay, I Miss You oh. by Lisa Loeb. Um, is it Nine Tails? <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. Everyone knows that song. If, if if people don't know what it's called, they know it from literally that doodle bit at the beginning yeah. of the song. That, that brief first few chords, everybody knows that song. It's and just also, one of those things. It's one of the reasons why I bought like glasses that I didn't need, like just to have the cool frames. <laughs> you still wear them. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Still wear my Clark Kent's. Still wear my Clark Kent's. And Lisa Loeb in this movie is a contributing factor to my uh, my enduring predilection for uh, dark-haired uh, creative types in spectacles. That's where it is. But 
also on streaming this next week. On Am- also on Amazon Prime as well. And this is coming next Friday. This is not a huge release, but I think it is worth just mentioning. And we got a clip for it, so hell, why not chuck it in? And let's talk about Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, which is coming to Amazon Prime next week. This was the first movie I ever did a press junket for, would you believe, in 2014. Wow. It's written and directed by Kenneth Branagh, who also plays the villain in it, and it is his attempt to reboot Jack Ryan as a would-be cinematic universe launcher, starring Chris Pine as Jack Ryan. I think he takes over from Ben Affleck in, in this one. Um, you've got Kira Knightley as Kathy... I forget what her surname is, but she's going to be Kathy Ryan down the line, as we well know. And you've got Kevin uh, Kevin Costner playing the uh, the Admiral Greer role, you know, the sort of mentor figure. And this is Jack Ryan going to Russia on his first assignment to help take down an arms dealer played by uh, Ken. So Ken, and of course, wouldn't you know it, Kira Knightley's only gone and invited herself on on this trip with him. You're not involving her in this. You involved me in this by not telling me. You gotta me. get her out of here, send her home. Well, what are you gonna tell Sheriff that I'm home? These are dangerous people, Kathy. You cannot be here. If you told me who you really were, I, I took an be. oath. I took an oath. I couldn't tell you unless we were married oh, and you wouldn't marry that's me. That's why you wanted to marry me? So that you had you could no, tell somebody you were in the course seat. not. I, you I, lied to me for three years and you were good at it. I think you actually Kathy, enjoyed it. Can we have a, 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 a minute, please? No, you can't. I would like to talk to Jack This is Lowe, geopolitics. Please. It's not couples therapy. Do I really have to remind you what's at stake here, Jack? There's a very real scenario here where we don't get out of this alive. Any of us. I wonder if Keira Knightley watches this performance back, you know, with her red lipstick on, on the trampoline in her Chanel gear that she has to do to make herself happy during a pandemic. Anyway, um, this is... That was, you're looking at me that was deeply personal, Max. Like, that was... No, I, I, came, I came out of nowhere. I was like... Does, does Kira owe you money? Is that what's going on? <laughs> no, she just made a very misguided comment uh, that has on social media. Um, when, when do these actors not do that? That's just, imagine people shut up, gal. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I just think sometimes, like, guys, you've got a public platform. Just know <laughs> when to say the right thing and when not to. And that was very much not the right thing to say. Anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this movie. Um, I enjoyed it. I don't think it went anywhere after this, did it? It didn't. This was meant to spawn what would become the Michael B. Jordan without remorse. That didn't happen. It then got rebooted as a TV show that was then also meant to spawn without remorse. That didn't happen and then did. And now without remorse is meant to spawn Rainbow Six. But that might happen, but it might not. And in the meanwhile, I think season three of Jack Ryan is filming at this moment in time. But this way, as far as I understand it, all of the Jack Ryan stuff is now on Amazon Prime. Now, I've yeah. not checked about I've not checked on the original uh the original four films, the uh Clear and, uh, uh, Hunt for Red October with Alec Baldwin, Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger with Harrison Ford and Some of with Ben Affleck. Now those I everything post that I know is now on Amazon Prime. Mm. Pre that possibly as well, but there are they are all paramount. The rights have never changed hands, so there's every reason it might be. I think if you want solid action films, which is what they all are, they are all solid then look no further they are pretty good definitely if you need someone to keep, you know keep your dad shut for a couple of hours then yeah. you can do you can do a lot worse than a Tom Clancy written Jack Ryan story at the very least but well, I go. like this movie I think this is fun and also it's got you know Ken Branagh 
hamming it up. Of course. Cheesiest Russian Who doesn't love Kembrana? Um, Well, there we go. That is all of your choices for this week. Um, We always like to leave you with a selection for everyone, but also a selection for every type of viewing that you enjoy. So you can go to the cinema, you can stay on your couch, you can even stream stuff or pop something into your DVD and Blu-ray player. So we hope you've enjoyed this week's off-screen. We've certainly enjoyed bringing all of these choices over to you. And we'll be back again next week with more fun at the flicks so for now i've been bex perfect i've been van connor and we shall return